Hi, this is Jen with Bright Families. Today I'm talking about fashion with daughters. And I have five girls, as I probably mentioned. And I pretty clearly remember being a girl, being thinking about fashion with myself and my sister, some of the parameters around what we were supposed to wear, when we could pierce our ears, etc. And I had thoughts about all that, not surprisingly, even when I was a kid. And that kind of informed how I parented. So I'm going to go through some of the decisions I thought about, some of the places I might do something differently if I was going to do it again. Mostly it's worked out the way I hoped it would. So to give some background, my sister and I are about a year apart. She's uh, 14 months younger than me. And my mom wanted us to be modest, partly from her experience as a kid and various situations that made her feel kind of objectified. And so she really, really did not want that for us. She was looking out for us. Now, she probably went stricter on the modesty side than she really needed to, partly because she had her eagle's eyes out for us. And that was what kept us out of trouble more than more than what we were wearing or not wearing. But anyway, she said, you know, no sleeveless, uh, long shorts, longer skirts, one piece swimsuits, you know, the typical things you would expect from modest mom in the 80s, 90s. And then she had some other kind of guidelines. I think at first she said 12 for piercing her ears. And then once we got to be 12, she still felt like we were kind of young or we wouldn't keep them clean enough. And maybe she said 15. I don't remember. But then in terms of things like shaving our legs, she said, oh, just just wait till you're older. You don't need to shave your legs. You've got blonde hair and, you know, it really doesn't matter. But then I had this very awkward and hilarious moment at school. I think it must have been spring of my ninth grade year and I was a young ninth grader, so I would have been 13 if I'm placing this correctly. And one of my male classmates, casually, the way he would have said it to his sister, probably said, hey, it it looks kind of bunchy under those tights. And I, of course, looked down at my legs under white tights in the spring sunshine. And it, it did look a little bunchy under my tights. And I just about died. And I went home that night and talked to my younger sister, who was always a little more of a rebel than me, and said, Hey, um, do you know how to shave your legs? She said, Oh yeah, I've been shaving them for years. Mom just mom doesn't notice. She she just thinks my hair never really came in. That's how on top of it she was and how sneaky she was. But obviously she was my go to when I needed to be going around my mom's rule because officially speaking, even at thirteen, my mom had not given me the go ahead and I was sure she would notice because I was that kind of kid. And so that night I shaved my legs and probably my mom did notice and she didn't care. And I just had not wanted to have this awkward conversation with her. I don't know why. I should have just talked to her about it before my friend teased me. And so coming out of all of these different experiences, I had some opinions about what timing made sense. I thought, you know, that was later than it needed to be for the earrings. Definitely later than it needed to be for shaving the legs. Obviously, I wanted my daughters to basically dress modestly, although... The definition of what that is partly depends on what part of the country you're in. 
One time I got into an intense debate in a health class about modesty because the girls from Hawaii said there is no such thing as a one piece in Hawaii. She said it is not immodest to wear a bikini in Hawaii. She said no homeschooler, no person she knows wears a one piece in Hawaii. I said, oh, okay, well, I believe you, you live there. So one of the first things that my friends told me about girls, once I started having my own girls, was, oh, they're going to be, they're going to be into clothes and they're going to be into shoes. And with my oldest, I first saw this when we were shopping and she picked herself out a pair of red Mary Janes that were size, I believe four, which is quite small, as you know, she could just barely walk when she pulled these off of the rack, sat down and mostly got them on her feet by herself. And since they were a reasonable price and she'd picked out the correct size and it was so cute that this little girl had picked out the shoes herself, I bought her the Red Mary Janes. And that night she put them under her pillow when she went to bed. And this just cracked me up. One of my friends had told me that her daughter would do this. And this is how you know if your girl's going to be into shoes. You know, one year old, she's putting the pillows, the shoes under her pillow. Now the next daughter was into fashion at kind of a different level where she was really creative. She would take one of my scarves out of my drawer and wrap it around herself to be a tube dress and then um, put some kind of like hair clip in and come to breakfast at three, three years old. She would try to make herself these kind of glamorous outfits as far as she could conceive it as a three-year-old. And of course, we have so many pictures of her wearing her fairy costumes and whatever other things she would accumulate. And interestingly, she also really liked to make fashionable things or fashionable in her mind. She would take her little Barbie dolls that had been given to us and make Kleenex dresses with them for them with a lot of Kleenex and tape and put pleats in them and make gathered skirts. And she was about four. She was just really, really into this. So it it was clear. They were into fashion. When we would travel, they would put on their fancy dresses and pull around their rolling luggage, which was super cute. Now, the other thing, the next thing that started to come up was they wanted to put on makeup because they watched me put on some mascara and they thought that looked so cool and so glamorous. So we have a picture of, I think probably my second one was four or five, putting makeup on the two-year-old. And they're both clearly very into it. They wore their ballerina dresses all the time, ballet shoes, they would wear them out. Now, I didn't have any objection to my girls coming in, watch me put on makeup, as long as they were respectful and they were pretty careful with my makeup. And sometimes I'd buy them their own or I'd give them the hand-me-downs. I realize you're not supposed to keep using makeup. I make it for that long, but nothing ever happens, apparently, in our house. And they would enjoy putting some eyeshadow on. Eventually, they got pretty good at putting mascara on. And they felt really, really fun doing this. I wouldn't let them go out wearing a bunch of makeup. I would make them take it off, but they could dress up and play around at home. Now, by the time my second one was about four, she could put on mascara well enough that I didn't notice she was wearing it. And one day we went to the pool and I suddenly noticed all these black streaks on her face and I kind of panicked for a second before I realized that she just had mascara on all day and I hadn't noticed. 
So then I thought, well, I really need to leave this girl alone. She clearly knows what she's doing. And then further along with that daughter, we noticed that if she put on a little makeup before we went to church and she picked a really fancy dress and we put her hair up and she put on her favorite fancy shoes, that she behaved a lot better. And I think with her personality, transitions are challenging. They always have been. Not sure why, but there it is. And the process of getting dressed and dolling herself up really helped her get her head in the game to behave in church. And this is even at age six, seven, eight. It made a really noticeable difference. Versus the other kids, we could kind of put on a dress, brush their hair, put on some sandals, and we're good. But for her, it took longer to get her head in the game, and the the makeup and the glamour was part of that. And it became a little bit of a joke with our friends of noticing, you know, how much effort she'd put into her little outfit at, at seven or eight. And I think all three of the older girls really, really liked accessorizing little hats and bracelets and purses like girls do, which is so much fun. Now, another thing they enjoyed doing that made them feel very pretty, very girly, and of course this compounds the more girls you have, I think, is they would do photo shoots with each other. So once or twice, you know, we took them to an official place to get a photo shoot with for grandparents or Christmas cards or something. And they kind of got the hang of it. I They had seen me take some photo shoots of other people. And I showed them once, and then they kept doing it after this, that you could hang a sheet from the top bunk for your backdrop. And particularly if you're doing black and white, it, it looks pretty, pretty much like a real backdrop. So we have whole photo shoots that they did when my oldest was probably eight or nine. And they would set up their outfits, their favorite dress with their favorite boots and do the poses with the, you know, face on the chin or hand, you know, resting under your chin and that sort of thing. And they had a lot of fun with that. And I really feel that these are some of the sweetest memories that they have. And of course, it's very, very sweet pictures. These little albums they made of their own little home photo shoots. It also gave them a lot of confidence about taking pictures. And they have done since done many photo shoots with their younger friends. My oldest has done many photo shoots for her friends for their graduation or a couple people for engagements and it's just been a fun skill to have which they learned in a very fun natural easy way now the earrings thing (laughs) I thought I thought I had a brilliant idea here I said okay I think 12 is too old because in my experience a lot of nine and ten year old girls want earrings I didn't but my sister sure did And it really seemed harsh to kind of hold her back. So I thought, with my daughters, I'll just say you can get your ears pierced when you learn how to read. That's kind of a good early milestone. They'll hit that somewhere between five and eight. It'll help reading seem like a big deal. And I ended up picking a certain lesson in 180 lessons. Say, when you get to lesson 50, we'll go get your ears pierced. Now, That worked okay for my oldest because I think she was six when she got to that lesson. She didn't have such grimy hands. But then when the second and third, they just were not as on top of their hand washing. They found it a little more disconcerting to switch earrings out. And they ended up getting having to get pierced more than once because 
one would get a little infected and they just they hated fussing with it or they would take a set out and not put a set in and it would grow in in a week or two, you know, different things happened. And so I would now say that reading age is, is not the right window for ear piercing, or at least it wasn't for my level of supervising the kids' hand washing and hygiene. And also my nails are too short to um, help them with their earrings. And I'm, I'm just not really probably dexterous enough with it to be really excellent at this. So if they, my oldest had long enough nails that she could manage her own earrings, but the second and third just found it kind of an uncomfortable feeling. And I remember feeling that way when I first got my earrings. So now that I've seen it done, I I think that obviously in many cultures, they just pierce the, the girl's ears very young, you know, two or three months, which is not part of my culture that I grew up with. So I'm not inclined to pierce them so young. But it does seem like maybe 9, 10 is more an age when it's special and they're likely to be able to stay on top of it well enough, handle that awkward learning period of switching out different pairs of earrings, and in general just enjoy it without it getting too complicated and without having to feel like they've waited and waited and waited. Now, in terms of the leg shaving thing, I know some moms really feel like shaving legs goes right up there with heels and makeup and there's this kind of um too grown up element to it you know making yourself an object to adult but I just didn't want my girls to feel embarrassed so when they asked me <clears throat> I think the oldest one asked me around nine I said yeah whenever you feel like you want to you can the razors in the bathroom go slow don't hurt yourself be careful lather up, take your time. And if you cut yourself, we'll put a bandaid on. You probably will cut yourself a few times. Go slower around your kneecaps and your ankles and all that. But I said, I'm. you can start shaving it. Once you start shaving it, you may want to stay on top of it all summer. You'll probably let it go during the winter. It can get a little scratchy. So I kind of gave them the caveats, but left it up to them. And they have gotten pretty much in the habit I don't even know exactly what age they got into the habit of doing it regularly. They're definitely more regular in the summer than in the winter and kind of depending on what they plan on wearing. And I think, I I don't even know really. They, I haven't seen anybody cut themselves hardly ever, probably because they started kind of young and they do go slow. They take a very long time in the bathroom when they, when it's leg shaving day. So in terms of shopping and fashion, that's kind of the next set of decisions to make. Because when the girls are younger, they're happy with any fluffy, cute thing you pick out for them that has a twirly skirt. And then as they get older, they start to have opinions with a capital O. And it starts to matter more, you know, whether it's a good color on them and the feel of the material and all these sorts of things. So... Long term, the rule we come up with is that we, the parents, cover the basics. So, you know, two pairs of jeans, a couple other pairs of pants, just all the basic wardrobe capsule will pay for all that. But since they're kind of into fashion, they want more than just the basics. And they want some items that are a little trendy. Or maybe they want a shirt that I don't think is a really great color on them. And they just kind of want it because they happen to see it impulsively. 
So then we have a conversation. I say, you know, I this is a great cut, but not a great color. The way this material's hanging, it's not as nice as this other material. So I you know, try to make them attentive. If I know the name of the type of fabric or, you know, what's the, the different mix, the blend, we talk about how that changes the look, how some things wear better than others. And of course, they've seen that over time. So if they wanted to buy a third pair of jeans and they're 10 and they're growing fast enough that I know we're going to be right back at the store in six months to get two or three more pairs of jeans, they can they can buy the extra. They, they've always had jobs. We've paid them for chores. They've had babysitting jobs. So by the time they're 12, they've all had a pretty reliable little income. And I knew that I don't have a good memory about what I've paid for for what kids. And there was no way I was going to be fair. Now, of course, there's still going to be unfairness. But between the older kids and the younger kids, families tend to become more affluent. They pay for far more things for the younger kids than they did for the older kids. And then the kids get resentful or some kids are better negotiators and they ask more nicely and they get. And so I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be terrible at keeping track. I can't have a spreadsheet for five girls. And so we just made this general rule that we cover the basics and you can cover the extras. So when they want their second pair of the same style of sneakers, you know, then they buy that. When they want something, when my oldest wanted uh, heelys or wheelies, those ones with the wheels and the heel, then uh, I think I chipped in a little bit, like as if it were a regular pair of sneakers, and she chipped in the majority of it because they were much pricier than a regular pair of sneakers. Uh, we don't pay for ripped jeans. I don't really care if they wear jeans that have a couple rips, but I think it's ridiculous to pay for it because, as we point out, they'll look like that in a couple of months anyway, as rough as they are. Some of them are in their clothes. And so that's been the general rule. It's worked well enough. They also get a fair amount of hand-me-downs from friends, extended family. And so there is a stream of free clothes that comes in for them to evaluate and choose. And then we do buy them stuff at holidays or get them gift cards to the stores they like to go to. So they don't end up even really purchasing every non-basic item that they want, if that makes sense. We're covering the basics every a few times a year. You know, we're doing a, some kind of family shopping trip. And then in between that, they might get a bag of clothes from their friends that's growing a little faster than them. My sister-in-law, my sister, my grandma, grandparents might buy them clothes. And then they tend to get some gift cards at holidays. So between all those things, they have a pretty fun wardrobe that's been able to move along with them as their sizes have changed. I do help them a little bit with alterations, although we mostly try to buy things that are already about the right size. But hemming, I can take things in a little bit, you know, with some darts. That's pretty basic. And occasionally, um, more often when they were younger, occasionally now that they're older, I'll actually sew them something. So for my middle daughter, she wanted a certain type of dress, which was impossible to find. One winter, there were basically no long dresses that season that were winter dresses. She also wanted something in a knit material that still looked dressy. 
that was also very hard to find. So we ended up actually going to the fabric store, dropping a lot of money on fabric compared to the normal cost of a dress. And then, but I sewed her something that fit her precisely based on a dress that she already liked. It was a very um, basic sleeveless A-line skirt, which she loved, and I could make it as long as I wanted. So we made it go basically to the ground because she was growing pretty fast at that point. She wore it for a couple of years, passed it on to a friend who's, you know, a size or two behind her. So now I get to see the dress get a second life with this friend at church. Now, in terms of the modesty side of fashion, of course, the main (laughs) battleground there is uh, swimsuits, necklines, and hemlines. So for swimsuits, I know there are modest bikinis, but the simplest thing for me is just say, let no, just not doing bikinis because I do not want to be negotiating about straps, cleavage, you know, waistlines, <laughs> backlines. It's just, I said, no, we're just not doing bikinis. We're going to do one pieces and practically speaking, they don't want anything that doesn't have good bottom coverage because then you're tugging at it all the time. It's just, you fuss with it so much and they've seen that. And then in addition to a a suit with good bottom coverage, they typically do wear shorts. And this is partly a practical consideration. If there's sand, it's actually just more comfortable. You get less sand in the bottom of your swimsuit if you're wearing shorts. Sometimes when they were younger, we would do, um, like rash guard t-shirts, little short sleeve t-shirts, or just a little tangini top and some shorts. It just depends on what we could find that season. But as they've gotten older, they prefer the look of a one piece and then maybe shorts with it, maybe um, a sweatshirt or a you know cover up shirt if it starts to get cold at the beach. Now, the other thing of course is that tops can end up being too low. And the the particular way that the ladies in my family are put together is that our um our breasts are positioned kind of high and so the cleavage is a little bit <laughs> higher than it might be on some other people. And so this makes it a little challenging on a short person with that positioning to find a shirt that's a V-neck if you want a V-neck and you don't want to have to wear a crew neck every time to find a V-neck that's a high V-neck. So that took a little finagling, but you know, after we went through a few department stores in the size 12, 14, I don't know, it was JC Penny or something. We found some cute little cap sleeves, t-shirts with high enough necks. When you're buying women's clothes, a woman's extra small will often be too low for a 12-year-old girl. Even if technically it fits, it's designed for somebody who's <laughs> got a different type of body and they're trying to flaunt it. So that's the other thing. The necklines have been a little challenging to go back and forth on. And um, I've gotten some pushback on the girls. They wanted sometimes things to be a little lower than I thought looked nice. And same thing with the shorts. This is one of the things I would do over again, a little differently, like the earrings. If I were doing this over again, I would have told them, 
the shorts have to go almost to the top of your knees. And then they probably would have heckled me a couple inches higher than that, maybe to somewhere mid-thigh. But since I started out saying the shorts need to be mid-thigh, and then it was virtually, if not actually impossible, to find shorts that go to the middle of your thigh on um, on a kid's their size, then it ended up being that the shorts were shorter than I would have preferred. But since I had not set the precedent that the shorts were going to be Bermuda shorts, then I, I'd put the starting line in the wrong place. I asked my husband what he thought, and he said, well, whatever. So he was not prepared to die on the hill about the shorts. He thought they were fine. It's pretty much what the other kids were wearing. So even though it's not my first pick, that's where it's ended up. So those are some areas where we've kind of gone back and forth. The last thing in terms of modesty that's come up is uh, the midriff. You know, they buy the shirt that's kind of cropped and it's fine as long as their arms are down, but then they lift their arms up and it's showing their their waist. And so, well, you know, it got to be that I could tell on the rack which things were going to be too short. We kind of go back and forth. They'd say, no, mom, you're wrong. It's not going to be too short. I'd say, okay, go try it on. They'd come out and it's, and they'd come out with their arms down. I'd say, put your arms up, <laughs> jump around a little bit. And then, you know, so, um, I ended up telling him, you know, you, you can buy that shirt and wear it as pajamas, but I won't drive you anywhere wearing that shirt. So I won't buy it for you. You can buy it for yourself and you can't wear it out. And that was a deterrent. They didn't want to spend their money on something that would have pretty limited use. But in some cases, they really liked the shirt and they bought it anyway. Or a shirt that was originally fine and then became too short. They just kept it as a pajama shirt. So, yeah, the line, the rule about I won't drive people who push the line, you know, that evolved as the first couple of girls would sometimes be wearing something that I was like, I told you, I told you that doesn't fit you anymore. And I, I think I told the oldest one, you know, whatever your event you're going to, if you come out in an outfit that pushes the line, you're not going. I'm not even, I'm not going to tell you just go change your outfit. I'm going to say now you can't go to the event. And that was, that was something she took seriously. Same thing with the second one. So then that kind of became the precedent. And I also had to wise up to the t-shirt, the sweatshirt thing of, you know, they come out in a sweatshirt and jeans. And then I had to say, you know, okay, what do you have on under your sweatshirt? Let me see what's on it. And then sometimes I'd find out it was a normal t-shirt. Sometimes I'd find out that it was one of their line pushing shirts. So all that's to say, it's turned out fine. And as they got older, they naturally have gotten uh, more modest than they were when they were younger and not quite as used to dressing, you know, their, their developing bodies. They've kind of come to terms with what makes sense. I think as they've gotten older, if they're wearing something that is calling too much attention to their body, they feel that. Even if I didn't make them change, they can feel that they're not being seen just for their personality, right? And that is the conversation we've had. If you 
show a lot of skin, if you're drawing a lot of attention to your body by the way you dress, it is just harder for people to pay attention to getting to know you. And it's it doesn't help your relationships. It might complicate your relationships. When we went to a beach trip last summer, we were with someone who was wearing bikinis, very, uh, you know, what do you call it? Pretty skimpy bikinis the whole time. And she thought it was kind of funny that I wouldn't let the girls wear bikinis. I said, yeah, well, (laughs) you can think what you like. You're not the mom. No offense. And, but interestingly, my brothers who were in their 20s were on this trip with us. And their candid comments about this girl wearing skimpy bikinis were so devastating. (laughs) My girls heard their candid comments and they've not asked about the bikini thing since then. So I think they saw from hearing their uncle's candid comments that, you know, this girl could leave a little more to the imagination and these kind of jokes they would make. They didn't find it provocative. They found it ridiculous that she would dress like this. You know, we were doing some water sports. They said, why didn't she just wear a one piece? You know, it's so much more practical. It's so much easier for swimming. You know, all these things. They just thought it was ridiculous. There was no question of it being sexy. And so that kind of gave the girls a different take on it. When they went, and I told them that guys didn't necessarily appreciate when girls wore skimpy bikinis. Or just wore two pieces in general. A lot of the guys found it distracting and would have preferred if she'd worn something a little with a little more coverage and also a little more practical for a lot of the things people do at the beach. And they they didn't totally believe me until they heard um, my, my candid, hilarious brother saying so. So anyway, that has been a help to us. I hope that this overview gives a sense of how some of these decisions could be made. Um, One of the things that's been interesting for me to see is that my girls are much better at putting together their outfits than I was. My mom did not want to encourage us to be fashionistas. I think she thought my sister and I would be too vain. She also didn't want to finance it. But the girls are far better at putting together cute outfits than I ever was at 12, 14, 16. And it's, it's nice to see that. Also, even though they started wearing makeup relatively early, we kept some rules about, you know, it's got to look very understated for church. And it's been fine. And interestingly, this is something I hoped would happen. And it did happen. They kind of got the makeup thing out of their system young. So my 18-year-old wears makeup. But some days she doesn't. You know, she often wears it to church, but not every time. Some days she puts on a full face, some days not. Kind of depends how much time she has. But she experimented a lot with makeup when she was 11 and 12. She's putting on full coverage every day, which she totally didn't need. And I told her, you know, your skin looks great. You don't really need um, foundation. You know, a little, if you want to wear makeup, just a little mascara and some lip gloss would be fine. That would be plenty. And she really wanted to experiment with the whole look, partly, I think, from an artistic curiosity. But then she scaled it back 
and figure out exactly what worked. And then my second daughter, who's, who's quite into glamour and fashion, just feels that makeup isn't worth it. So she doesn't usually wear it. She might put on mascara, she might put on lip gloss, and unless it's church, she just kind of leaves everything else alone. Or if she's dressing up to go out. And then the 12-year-old, again, you know, I've told her, if you want to experiment with makeup, if you want to wear makeup, it just needs to be tasteful. Can't have anything outrageous when we're going out. Um, And so she's just started letting the, the oldest put some makeup on her. She's not even really interested in learning it herself, I think. And again, I told her, you've got great skin. Maybe you'd put some mascara on the tips of your eyelashes because they bleach out. If you want. There's no pressure. And they know a lot of different women role models, moms in their lives. Some of them wear makeup. Some of them don't. There's no pressure one way or the other in this community. They see a lot of different people do it different ways. And it also depends on what color your hair and skin are how touchy your skin is, whether you need concealer, um, whether your eyelashes bleach out at the ends because you're fair, which all of us are. There's different factors like that. But I just told them it's totally up to you when you're an adult. Some adults do and some adults don't. Some adults do just for special occasions. And so it has not become what I would consider problematic in terms of time or vanity It's just something they've learned how to do. It's a skill that they've learned in a pretty natural way with some, sometimes experimenting with more time, less time, and different techniques. But it's been fun for them, and they kind of have it down. To the the extent that they're interested, then they get get it down pretty early. Other things like high heels, we just kind of let them wear high heels. If we found, uh, you know, little girl high heels that they liked, Or later on, when they start getting into actual woman's shoes, we just want to make sure the heels are not too high. It does shorten your tendons. It's not good to wear high heels all the time. But also, practically speaking, because they spend so much time barefoot or in flip-flops, they don't really enjoy being in heels for hours and hours at a time. They're used to having a lot more flexibility and wiggle room with their feet. So even though they have the heels... You know, they put them on, we go out, they take them off in the car on the way home, which I don't consider problematic. They're having fun with it. And given so much of the larger kind of confusion in the culture that's evolved over the last 10 or 15 years, it makes me happy to see my girls just enjoying being feminine, just enjoying being pretty, having some confidence about how to put their outfits together, pick the right shoes to go with the right dress, and feeling like they've got a handle on that process, not that, like they're at a loss, not to feel too too awkward as they get into their teen years and have to adjust to being a slightly different size every six months. I feel like the opportunity to have some fun with the fashion, the makeup, curl their hair, shave their legs, get their ears pierced at some point there in the preteen to teen years or re-pierced has made the whole process a lot more fun for them. So anyway, I hope this gives you some thoughts. 
if you're thinking this through for your own girl as she gets into this phase of her life about where you might put some lines or have a conversation with her. All right, have a great day.